This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. On this edition of the show, does feng shui work? This is a fascinating topic. We're talking about the ancient Chinese art and science of arranging things in your home or office in order to increase your happiness and abundance and just create a very positive environment. There may be some really simple things that the feng shui masters suggest that could dramatically change how you feel every day and maybe even how you start to behave and change your life. So this is something I've been planning to dig into on this show for a long time. And uh, guess what? Today is the day. But first, but first, <laughs> this is, uh, I think, just too unusual for me to not just mention right up front. I, of course, live here in Las Vegas. And one of the great things about being here is it's the entertainment capital of the world. So if you're interested in seeing shows or maybe meeting interesting people, eventually they always come to Vegas. You don't have to leave. They All roads lead to Vegas. And about five minutes from our house is a casino that has a showroom. And they, of course, they have various entertainment. And just days ago... Priscilla Presley came into town and she sat in the showroom and decided that she would do like a two hour presentation where she would sit on the stage and just tell stories about her life, especially with Elvis, of course, and show old home movies and pictures that haven't been made public and answer questions. She's 76 years old and you know, it never even occurred to me that such an opportunity would present itself. I mean, you don't think about that kind of thing. And I said to Lauren, you know, Priscilla Presley, I mean, not only did she, she marry Elvis, but, uh, I mean, she was his first wife, but then, of course, their daughter was Lisa Marie Presley, and she went on to marry Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. And then, of course, Priscilla Presley was a successful actress. Uh, she was in the Naked Gun movies, which were hilarious. She was on the TV show Dallas for years. I mean, like, how could this not be interesting to go and listen to this 76-year-old woman sit there and tell stories about all of these sort of iconic figures and legendary situations that she she ended up in? And so we got great tickets. I mean, we were like, 
20 feet from the stage. And uh, first they had sort of an interviewer host type figure come out and sit down. And then she introduced Priscilla Presley. And then she was asking Priscilla questions to kind of lead her uh, on. And then they had they took questions from the audience. And it was actually really, really well done. In fact, um, her, her mind is super sharp. She's very witty, very funny. And uh, the time just flew right by. But, you know, she was 14 years old and Elvis was 24 years old when they met. Uh, he was overseas. I think he was in Europe due to his military service and her family was also involved with the military. And so, yeah, they met when she was 14 and he was 24. And as soon as she turned 21, they got married and they had. According to her, they had a wonderful relationship. You know, Elvis was great. I mean, he was just as magnetic and charismatic and, you know, fun and all that stuff as he in, in person as he was in the public, maybe even more so. Uh, super generous. I mean, um, she said that the only reason they got a divorce was because that once he started coming to Las Vegas to perform, uh, he very quickly started becoming uh, unfaithful. Right? And she said that she she tried to tolerate that to a certain point because she knew he had all these groupies and stuff. But it reached a point where she was like, I don't care if you're the king of rock and roll or what. I can't do this. And so that was the only problem. He just couldn't remain faithful. But they stayed friends for uh, the rest of Elvis's life. Elvis died in 1977 at age 42 of a heart attack. And, uh, of course he was, he took various drugs to help him sleep and to help him wake up. And I mean, all that stuff, I'm sure put a lot of stress on him. He was very overweight, but ultimately it was a heart attack that got him. And, uh, she was talking about how that, um, you know, when she got the news, she got a phone call. Obviously she was in shock. She went over to, uh, Elvis, <clears throat> I guess Graceland and, uh, and, and Elvis's dad was just like screaming and wailing at the top of his lungs. Like, why God, you know, that kind of stuff. Really, really sad hearing her, her talk about that. But you know, here's what I thought was especially unexpected and interesting though. She said that a few years before Elvis died, he started becoming more and more interested himself and whether or not he was here to fill a greater purpose, to serve a greater good. Of course, he was always very religious and spiritual and he loved gospel songs, etc. But she said that uh, I think he almost had like an epiphany at one point when he was at some show and there were thousands of people there. And he was thinking like, this is wonderful that I can sing these songs and everybody's happy. But is there is there some deeper some some deeper, important sort of positive enriching thing here that I can do, that I should do, that I meant to do here. And so he started digging very deeply in the last few years of his life into metaphysical texts. And she specifically said, and I couldn't believe that these words came out of Priscilla Presley's mouth. She said that he started reading books by Manly P. Hall. Now, a lot of people have no idea who Manly P. Hall was, but I sure do. He is one of the giants when it comes to mystical literature. Uh, he was born in 1901 and died in 1990. He was a Canadian author, lecturer, astrologer, mystic over a 70 year period of time. This guy gave thousands of lectures about everything unknown you can you can imagine but especially like secret societies his masterpiece was this book called the secret teachings of all ages and i actually have multiple copies of this but he published over like 150 books but so she said he was he's she goes he was reading stuff by manly p hall and madame blavatsky now, who, would you imagine that she would bring up Madame Blavatsky on stage? You know, I was just recently talking about Blavatsky. Of course, she was like a Ukrainian lady who lived from 1831 to 1891. She co-founded the Theosophical Society in 1875, was an international celebrity, 
And, uh, again, one of these pioneers of really metaphysical thinking, you know, a lot of stuff that some people might call new age now, but back then, I mean, it was, I think it was even more, uh, deeply spiritual, but, so here is Elvis reading this kind of stuff. She said, these are the types of books that he just had in piles all around his bed. And then, of course, I suppose that when he died, he probably still felt somewhat unfulfilled because I don't think he ever incorporated any of this stuff uh, in, into his performances. I mean, he might have been on the verge of doing that because he was going to um, he was going to go on tour like the day he died, basically. But she said that his spirit definitely still haunts Graceland. And I've never been to Graceland, but it is the most visited home in America after the White House. That's what she said. And she said whenever she's at Graceland, especially when there's nobody else around, the doors are closed, she says, Elvis is there. She, she goes, sometimes I can almost see him, you know, walking down the stairs. And some areas of Graceland are off limits. I think the second floor, which was his really private space, his holiest of holies. And that's also where he died. And she said that she will, as long as she's alive, nobody will ever be allowed. Like the public will not be allowed to go there because that's still his space. You know, that's so that's how tangibly she talked about this sort of thing. And, uh, and then of course, I didn't ask a question. A lot of people were very emotional and they were doing a good job of asking some pretty wild questions. But one thing that did come up, uh, well, let me put it this way. You know, there are all these theories about whether or not Elvis may have faked his death, right? Because, uh, there are people who say that he was functioning as some type of a government agent. Could be. There were a lot of people who said that he had some ties to the mafia and he knew too much. Could certainly be. And he was crushed by this overwhelming fame. Uh, is it possible that he faked his own death? I tell you, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what I think about that. And then we're going to move on into the main topic at hand here, which is, does feng shui work? And you'll be surprised, I think, at the little rabbit hole we're going to go down here as we start looking into options for how you might be able to just change little things around your house and very quickly change your life and bring in some good fortune. Speaking of good fortune, I think next week I am going to finally announce my new surprise kit. This is something that has done wonders for me in my life regarding something I don't even usually talk about, but I only have about 80 of these kits. I have certainly less than 100. If you want to know immediately when it's when it's out there, go to joshuapwarren.com. Sign up for my free e-newsletter. It takes you two seconds. Put your email address in the box. Hit submit. You'll get some free instant gifts from me, and you will know first when my new kit is available. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I will be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash strange things. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. 
In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. And there are indeed plenty of people who think at least used to think that Elvis may have faked his own death. Uh, In fact, if he had done that and he were still alive, he would be 87 years old today. So that means there could still be an Elvis running around out there. And, you know, uh, he was definitely uh, a victim of his unimaginable fame. As a matter of fact, Priscilla Presley said that sometimes Elvis would just check himself into a hospital just to get away from people, just to be left alone. It would drive him, you know, that crazy. I think you can imagine how, how that, that, how miserable it would be sometimes to have the entire world focused on you like that. Everybody wants something from you. Uh, and so there are people who, who said, look, he, he knew that the only way he could escape this was to fake his death. He had the resources to do it, so on and so forth. And I remember reading, oh, at least a couple of accounts from people who claimed that when they went to Elvis's funeral and they viewed his corpse, that the corpse appeared to be sweating, that there were beads of sweat. And of course, the writers were saying, uh, corpses don't sweat. So they were implying that maybe, I guess that was Elvis or an Elvis impersonator lying there playing the role of a dead guy. I guess that's what they're talking about. But I must point out that it is common for 
uh, funeral director type funeral. I don't know all the terminology, but morticians basically to use what's called morticians wax that you, you would put on somebody's face to sort of flesh it out and bring back a more lifelike complexion. And of course, wax does sweat. So it's, if people saw what they thought was sweat, it was most likely that. Um, look, I have to tell you that I don't think that it's possible that somebody as famous as Elvis could have faked his death and gotten away with it. He was, he's just, he was just too big of a, of a, presence and a powerhouse and there were too many people who didn't want to believe it who were looking into it and and to hear her talk about the madness of what happened when he died and how the family reacted i just i do not believe that elvis faked his death i think he died exactly as we were told sadly enough at the age of 42 uh, from a heart attack so I hope you've, you found that interesting. That's some of the main stuff that I gleaned from sitting down uh, and listening to her tell stories. It was a cool night. Lauren and I really enjoyed it. And I, as I mentioned, that casino is only five minutes from our house. But pretty soon it's going to be a lot farther away because I bought a new house here in Las Vegas. And uh, I'm not ready to tell you all the details about it yet. But Lauren and I are extremely excited. Uh, I bought a new house. I have, uh, I bought some new property and I'm going to be building a new lab and, and studio and expanding a lot of the stuff that I do. And, uh, thank, I want to thank all of you, each and every one of you so much for the support that you have given me that has allowed me to continue to grow and develop. And I'm going to be creating some of the craziest cool stuff you've ever, <laughs> you've ever seen over the next few years with my new facility. So. I just want you to know that um, as I go through this process of moving, it's going to be complicated, you know, getting my studio moved. Plus, I have some traveling I have to do in the middle of this. So hopefully I won't miss any of these shows. Uh, if occasionally I'm not able to get a show, a new show done, then there will be a, a best of there. And so uh, you'll kind of know what's going on until I get everything smoothed out. But we're really excited about it. And also, uh, I'm putting a hiatus on people sending me things, uh, from time to time. People have been very kind and sent me, you know, they mail me gifts or cards or, or letters. And, um, so if you send me anything, uh, for the foreseeable future, it's probably just going to get lost. So please don't try to send me anything physical for a while. I'll let you know down the road about that. But anyway, I'm telling you this now because that as, as we move into this new house, this is a great time for me to start thinking about feng shui, feng shui, the topic at hand here. And let me just point out that there is actually a lot of debate about how to pronounce feng shui. I don't speak Chinese. So let me just say right up front, do not hold my pronunciation of any Chinese word. Uh, up for, <laughs> for criticism. All right. I'm just, I'm just going to do my best here, but I do know that from all the research that I've done, there are some people who say that, I mean, feng shui is, it's spelled, uh, F E N G S H U I. Some people call it feng shui. I've heard all kinds of pronunciations, but I have done my best to research what the old ancient Chinese masters have said, and it is called feng shui. And there might be a little wiggle room in there, but as an American, if you call it feng shui, you're doing, you're doing just fine. All right. So here is the basic definition of feng shui according to Wikipedia. Let's just start there because this is a topic that gets very elaborate. Feng shui, also known as Chinese geomancy, is an ancient Chinese traditional practice which claims to use energy forces to harmonize individuals with their surrounding environment. Okay, simple enough, except that word geomancy, okay? Because it says it's Chinese geomancy. So I was like, okay, well, what's geomancy? Geomancy is a method of divination that interprets markings on the ground or the patterns formed by tossed handfuls of soil, rocks, or sand. Okay, so to me, this is what I think of as claromancy, which I wrote about in my book, Use the Force, which is like uh, casting of lots or uh, Yi Ching or even using tarot cards, where the idea is that um, 
you think that if you have a uh, a variety of variables on a small scale that you you sort of toss out there uh, they land in a certain pattern because they're reflecting uh, the larger conditions in in the world uh, around it at the time. And you can interpret that. I think of it as being like a hunter who's trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. And so he picks up a leaf and, and drops it. And he can determine that just based upon watching the leaf. So anyway, that's what they're talking about when they talk about geomancy. Um, so it goes on to say here, the term feng shui means literally wind, water. And from ancient times, landscapes and bodies of water were thought to direct the flow of the universal chi, okay, the cosmic current or, or energy through places and structures. And because chi has the same patterns as wind and water, a specialist who understands them can affect these flows to improve wealth, happiness, long life, and family. On the other hand, the wrong flow of qi brings bad results. More broadly, feng shui includes astronomical, astrological, architectural, cosmological, geographical, and topographical dimensions. Now, let me pause here to tell you that this is especially interesting to me because I think this is a combination of art and science. But you should understand something. When you really start listening to these like chi uh, feng shui masters, they treat this more like a science. Okay, they are taking measurements of the magnetic fields. They have mathematical equations. They've got all these ratios they're working with. I mean, like it gets pretty complicated. And in fact, there is a device that a lot of these practitioners use. It's a little it's a tool they take into the field called a luapon, a luapon. I've got one in my hand right here. I, it's the coolest thing because here's what this looks like. It looks like a gold uh, cake, uh, compact case for makeup. You know, it's like it's like a little disc, a couple little discs, you know, like a little compact. And then you pop it open. And on the bottom side, it has a compass. And on the top, it has a mirror. And the compass is surrounded by a gazillion Chinese markings uh, that mean all kinds of different things. And I have no idea what any of this stuff means. But I just I, I think these are the coolest looking things. It's probably because I was a big fan when I was a kid of this TV show that aired uh, 1982 and 1983 on NBC called Voyagers. Maybe this, some of you will appreciate this. It was about this guy, this kid who would travel back in time and they had this little device that looked like this called an Omni and they would, they would, they go back in time and they would pop open the Omni and it would have a green light or a red light. And if everything in history was functioning the way it was meant to be, it would, they'd get a green light. Uh, but if not, they get a red light. So they would have to go out and make changes to get everything back on on the timeline. As a matter of fact, the opening narration of that show says, we travel through time to help history along. Give it a push where it's needed. When the Omni's red, it means history's wrong, and our job is to get everything back on track. Green light, kid, we did it. All right, so anyway, I always thought the Omni's looked cool, and this is kind of what this Luapon reminds me of. Uh, I, I Let me just also say, is, since I'm bringing up Voyagers, um, it's a bit of a tragic story the star of that show actually it's a very tragic story john eric hexham um he died when he was 26 years old because he was on the set of another tv show and he accidentally shot himself in the head with a prop gun and apparently the blank uh you know, the blank killed him so sad ending there uh, okay we got to take a break when we come back okay let me tell you a little bit more about what you do to maximize your feng shui good fortune. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. 
experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Strange Things. On the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. And this device I'm holding in my hand that looks like the Omni from Voyagers is called a Luapan. A Luapan. L-U-O-P-A-N. And this is a geomantic compass which is, you know, it's basically a Chinese magnetic compass, also known as a feng shui compass. And it's used by a feng shui practitioner to determine the precise direction of a structure, place, or item. Luapan contains many informations and formulas regarding its functions. Uh, the needle, of course, uh, huh, this is interesting. I didn't realize this it says the needle points toward the south magnetic pole. Hmm. Since the invention of the compass for use in feng shui, uh, feng shui audit has required its use. So you see what I mean about this being a little more than just somebody coming in and giving his or her own sort of artistic interpretation of how things should look. I mean, there is there is some something that looks kind of sciencey going on here. I you know, I know that it seems like pseudoscience, but you know what? There is an art 
to um well okay like just look at psychiatry and psychology and uh, studying optics i mean like y- you can tell that if you you show people certain things uh they feel a certain way and but the the artistry that goes into that makes this i'm sure somewhat subjective but look let me let me just give you this i think this is a pretty good description overall this is a book written by a feng shui master and it's called feng shui handbook how to create a healthier living and working environment and it is by master lamb cam chewin and i'll just read you a little bit of his introduction And it gives you a more practical idea of how this works. He says, you walk into a room and your host tells you to make yourself at home. Well, what do you do and where do you sit? You're looking for a new house. And after looking at dozens of places, you walk into the one that immediately feels right. You have lived in the same place for years. And one day you suddenly decide that it needs to be completely redecorated. You were told your office is moving. You visit the new site, and the next thing you do is start looking for a new job. This natural sensitivity is part of the priceless heritage of being a human. It is an instinct that can be developed and trained. Learning how to do that is the subject of this book. It's a book about places and people and the way the energies of both interact. It is based on humanity's longest unbroken tradition of research into the innermost secrets of nature, and yet it is designed to help people living in today's world. You don't have to be an architect to use this book. You don't have to be an interior designer. You don't have to be Chinese or speak Chinese. All you have to do is begin with your own living situation, your own feelings, and your own room. Rooms live. They are fields of energy. Your feelings about rooms and buildings are profound. Your innate sense tells you that more is involved than simply interior decor. If you walk into a room, do you do you know automatically where you want to sit or do you hesitate? Do you find the room welcoming or disturbing? Our feelings about the room depend in part on the assumptions we make about what will happen while we are in it. And he goes on to say, those feelings are more than passing emotional states. They're often health warnings. They tell us that if we sit without proper support at our backs, we may be approached without warning from the rear. Uh, He talks about sleeping. They tell us your, your sleep may be disturbed if there is an open window over our bed. In every moment of our lives, we pick up on these messages and they tell us that we are profoundly interconnected with our environments and the energies that surround us and shape our lives and futures. Okay, so that gives you a better idea of, you know, how to look at this stuff practically. And so let's dig into some of the basic principles here of feng shui. All right. There are five basic principles They say there should be a balance between the yin and the yang. So in in any space, you need to have a balance of dark and light, soft and hard, open space and closed space, curved space and geometric space, which I guess is like straight lines. You have to balance things. Number two, you need open pathways for energy to flow. Energy or chi is front and center, and that energy needs space to flow in each room, on each wall, and through the entire home. To create these pathways, you need to be mindful of where you place furniture, particularly as it relates to doors. So, for example, you don't want to place your bed directly in front of your bedroom door because that will block your energy flow. Instead, you want the bed back a bit against a wall, diagonal from the way, giving chi room to travel while also giving you the commanding position when you sit on it. And they say this goes for other items, uh, uh, placing other items, avoid blocking doorways, openings, halls, clear any clutter. That's a big, big thing. You want to clear a path through the house for energy to travel. They mentioned the commanding position. And number three says this means that you're facing the door, not right in front of it. And have full visibility over the space before you. So in your office, this might mean your desk is in the center of the room, just slightly diagonal from the door or in the living room. It may mean your couch or recliner is along a back wall. Just depends. Okay, so that's what they're talking about there. Use the five elements 
the five elements, earth, metal, water, fire, and wood. You can incorporate these things, wooden things, water fountains, all that. There's a thing called a Bagua map, which I'll get back to Bagua in a minute. But this is a map you can look at that shows you like how your house should be divided. So like one section is the section devoted to wealth and prosperity. One is to fame and reputation. One is to love and marriage. One is to children and creativity. One is to your career path. One is to health and ancestors, etc. Okay, so you can look up these Bagua maps. That's, that's spelled B-A-G-U-A. So you always want to sort of consult that stuff. And I'm telling you, this gets really, really in-depth. Um, and I'm looking at some other uh, advice here which I think is, is, you know, helpful. Um, they say like, for example, okay, the entry to your home is called the mouth of chi. And this means that the front door is the portal for all chi or life force energy. And you got to make sure the entry is brightly lit. Keep it, keep the area free of clutter. Be sure the doorbell is functioning properly. Okay. In the living room, this is the gathering space. Use the five elements of colors to decorate your living room based on the energies you want to cultivate. You got to look this up for yourself. Add green house plants to invite more wellness, growth, and kindness. Configure the sofa and or chairs in the commanding position, which again is like you're sort of facing, I guess, the door or the entryway. For the dining room, they say be sure to clear it off for, for meals entirely. Uh, use the dining table for a meal on a regular basis to attract more friendships. Fresh flowers can be offered to invite energy and unstick any of our connections to others in our lives. Uh, in the kitchen, keep the stove clean and in good repair. Use the stove at least once a day, even if it's just to boil water. This keeps the energy active. Regularly dispose of expired food in the refrigerator, uh, refrigerator and pantry. Um, I mean, these are just like, okay, the bedroom, place your bed in the commanding position, remove any storage and clutter from underneath the bed. That's a tough one for a lot of people, right? Make sure that you have a headboard that's securely attached to the bed. Uh, from what I understand, okay, again, they say you really want to keep your bed away from windows. And there are some things about feng shui that like, I don't even know if I really feel like I agree with it personally. Like, for example, I'm a big water guy. Okay. I, I love fountains and water and, you know, my new house has got a swimming pool and all that stuff. And it says like, if you're going to have a fountain, you can place a fountain inside or outside your front door. And it says the movement of the water in the fountain encourages and supports a flow of chi, but the direction that the water flows is important. They say, when you have a fountain outside of your door, make sure the water in the fountain flows toward the door, not away from it. That the direction of the water flow determines the direction of the energy, and you want to bring the energy into your home and not push it away. So in other words, as you walk in, it sounds to me like the fountain is supposed to be behind you. And it says when placing a fountain inside your front door, place it so the water is flowing in towards your house interior and not towards the door, or you may push energy right back out the door. Sounds to me like the same thing. Like when you, if you're going to have a fountain, as you walk in, the fountain should be behind you. But to me, it kind of seems like, hey, if I'm going to have a fountain, it's cool for you to walk in and you see the fountain. Like if, whether you're uh, out front, um, you know, you see the fountain and you walk past it and go in and then you walk in and boom, there's the fountain. But I think they're saying, no, it should be behind you. And that also, then there are circumstances where they say it's bad if you have like a body of water, like a creek or a river or something that is behind your house. I could talk to you for hours about all this stuff. But listen, when we come back from this break, here's one of the simplest things you can do. In feng shui, they have these mirrors that you can buy. They're very, very simple. They're very inexpensive. And you can place them around your house in a certain way to absorb negative energy or to be aggressive and, and really reflect negative energy. 
Maybe you'll learn something from all this. As a matter of fact, that ties into a really interesting email I got the other day. I think I may have time to squeeze that email in. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I will be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren. And you may or may not remember that Penn and Teller, the stage magicians, used to have this show called BS in which they would go out and portray what things they thought were pseudoscientific 
uh, or fraudulent or whatever, and then they would uh, they would sort of do what they thought was an expose. And they did some good shows, but a lot of the shows were done very poorly because, for one thing, I know that the producers would intentionally mislead people who were going to be on the show. And also, I think the biggest problem with the show is it was pretty obvious that most of the time they would go out and find the least qualified people to comment on a subject that they wanted to make fun of. And you can do that with any topic, you know, just, you're always going to find somebody who just wants to be on TV and doesn't know what they're talking about. That doesn't necessarily represent everybody. But anyway, one of these uh, shows they did, one episode was about feng shui and they, they had one location and the person there hired five different feng shui, uh, uh, consultants to come and give advice and each consultant gave different advice and they're like aha see there you go it's bs um well look here's what i can tell you um uh, there is again a subjective component to all this but there are certain things i'm sure that are uh objectively adhered to and if you want to pursue this stuff aside from doing your own research i recommend that you go and you talk to a real expert find somebody who's qualified who can come in and look at maybe uh that person's resume other houses and spaces that that person has worked on and and say like oh yeah i like what this person did with that place and and that's how you should judge this stuff but here's something that's really interesting to me you know i'm always intrigued by mirrors and uh, in this book feng shui handbook it talks about mirrors and it says a common mistake is to think of a mirror as an inert object meaning something that's passive, uh, just a useful tool like a screwdriver. But mirrors are constantly at work, not only when we pass them and look at them, they intensify the image of anything they reflect. Think about what happens when you shine an electric torch or flashlight into a mirror at night. The light that bounces back to you is far more blinding than the naked beam of the small bulb. Now, let me pause and say, I don't know if that's true, but anyway, uh, so the first rule is never place a mirror directly inside the door of your bedroom. It will bounce the incoming energy straight back at the door where it will set up permanent disturbance patterns at the entrance to your bedroom and pre prevent smooth circulation inside the room. It says mirrors positioned opposite windows will have the same bounce back effect as those opposite doors, leading to a constant narrow band of disturbance between the window and the mirror. A mirror position positioned so that you can see the bed from the door will have the same effect as if the door were directly opposite the bed. But remember that the energy bounced off the mirror will be of higher intensity. It says avoid placing a mirror opposite your bed. Remember that it acts as a constant energy reflector and will be sending that stream of intensified power into the space over and around your bed day and night. It will be a perpetual cause of disturbance while you sleep. Ideally, you should place your mirror on the inside of a cupboard door. And if you're staying in a strange uh, room, use a scarf to cover an unwanted mirror. In feng shui, there are these special mirrors that are used to deal with manipulating energies. They're called bagua mirrors. I mentioned that word earlier. In Chinese, bagua literally means eight symbols or eight areas. You've probably seen these little mirrors before. They're, they're like little round mirrors that are inside an octagon or an octagonal frame. And there are two types. There is a concave one that's curved inward and a convex one that's curved outward. And and you'll find these in metaphysical stores or you can get them online, of course. And the idea is that if you have a problem that like around your house, that's causing some negativity, let's say you have like some noisy neighbors or something like that, or some, some kind of neighbor problem, you can take one of these mirrors and you place it so that it's facing that problem. And if it's a concave mirror, it is supposed to absorb that negativity and neutralize it and just make sure it doesn't travel any further than that mirror. Okay. Any farther than that mirror. On the other hand, if you want to get more aggressive, you get the con convex one that curves outward where you're actually going on the offensive and you are projecting 
what you want out there to them. Okay. So it's kind of like the, the one that's curved out is the yang and the one that's curved in is the yin. And I actually have used these before. I have some around my house. If there is some, something that I think could become an annoyance or whatever, I'll take a little bagua. That's spelled B-A-G-U-A. I'll take a little bagua mirror and, uh, and just place it there to either absorb that energy or reflect what I want. And and when you look at that, it reminds me of this email I got just the other day from this gentleman in Pennsylvania, and his name is Robert. And he wrote to ask me about the devil's toy box, uh, because I discovered years ago when I was doing research that often I would go into a haunted house and the most haunted room would have two mirrors facing each other. And uh, I decided to create a cube with six mirrors all facing inward and start using it as an antenna and hooking microphones to it. And I started picking up all kinds of bizarre stuff that seemed paranormal and often creepy. So he wrote to me and here's the topic of the subject devil's toy box experiment and protection magic. He said, years ago, my mom was having problems with an evil boss. I was researching Wicca and magic at the time and read about several spells for protection. To stop gossip, you could write the evil person's name on a slip of paper and put it in a Ziploc bag with some water and toss it in the freezer. Huh. Did you get that? That's You might want to try that out. Put the person's name on a piece of paper, put it in a Ziploc bag with some water and you toss it in the freezer and freeze that he says another better spell had instructions for building a box of mirrors. You put the six mirrors on the outside of the box, the outside facing outward. And then you put a picture of the person or item that you wanted to protect inside the box. You even glued a tiny snake on the lid. And that idea was because the box kept evil away from whatever was inside the box. Yet another spell made your devil's toy box, only it wasn't called that, with the mirrors on the inside of the box all facing inward looking at each other, and this time you put a picture of the evil person inside the box to trap the evil inside. He said, I am a Reiki level three healer, And in class, we learned about making a Reiki healing box, again, lined with mirrors, to put Reiki healing requests inside. And since the box is used to send Reiki energy long distance, the mirrors are used to help amplify the energy and also create a vacuum in both space and time so the healing energy can travel to the past and the present and the future. So I'm wondering, is it a good idea to have boxes with mirrors for healing all facing each other? Any thoughts on using mirrors for healing and amplifying magic energy? Robert, that's an excellent question. Uh, Thank you very much. Here's what I have to say about that for now. Uh, Personally, my research with mirror tech has not yet gone deeply into healing and using it for these kinds of purposes. Uh, But I love these concepts and I feel they are worthy of experimentation. I am definitely going to experiment with them. In my mind, since energy equals energy, okay, you know, light equals energy. Uh, anything that manipulates light can also manipulate thought forms. So hence the use as a magical handle on all these things. Okay. So I'm, I, I hope that all of you will experiment with this and we'll see what happens, but that's a nice little tie in. I wish I had time to to give you some more emails, but let me just say before we run out of time, uh, I am going to go on my social media where I'm giving away a lot of free prizes right now, and I'm soon going to ask all of you to start submitting questions to me, anything you want, and I'll sit down uh, on some of these uh, shows, some of these episodes, uh, and just go through and do nothing but answer questions. Who knows what will happen? Would you like that? Well, anyway, hope you've learned something from Feng Shui. Go do your own research. And now it's time for us to get ourselves into a positive mindset. Make the next week the best one ever. Here it is, my friends, the Good Fortune Tone.
That's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Well, if you like this episode of Strange Things, wait till you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.